the only thing worse than a root canal is looking for a job on the internet. Hello everybody, this is Anthony Moore with Career Daily. I am here to put the human back in human resources. Let me be your competitive advantage on the job market. It is dog eat dog out there. Our research companies, new industries, I'll dig around, I'll figure out who some of the hiring leaders are, and I'll post all this information on our exclusive Facebook networking group. You'll also hear amazing interviews from professionals that I'm interviewing all across the country. Some are inspiring. Some are very informative. Some duds. I'll leave the duds out. Stay tuned for today's episode. Hello, everybody. It's Tony. I'm back. I just voted. I early voted. I participated in the world's greatest experiment, that is democracy. Glad to get that out of the way. About a week ago, maybe not a week ago, I I put a, a question out to the Facebook group, the private Facebook group, Career Daily. I wanted to know if there's any questions that people had, and I think the the overwhelming response was, how do we negotiate salary? How do we negotiate bonuses? How do we handle that during COVID? Um, and Tim had asked that question originally. So Tim, this is for you. I, d- I happen to know you personally. I also know where you work. So I'm going to be answering this for the broader uh, public as well. I've got about 14 or so different uh, ideas of how I would handle this to kind of frame it up to kind of analyze just how to go about even trying to do this in this um, in this market. First, but the first thought I have is number one: Why are you asking? Do you actually have a need or do you have a want? And I think. Those two things are very important. If you truly have a need, if you are really underpaid or you've done an enormous amount of work and you really deserve a raise or a bonus for all the work and all the extra effort you put in, I think that falls in the category of of need, okay? A want is something, in my opinion, where you're just accustomed to getting a raise or a a cost of living adjustment every year and you want it again. So I think you really have to kind of analyze deep down inside. Why are you asking? Because if your ask and your desire and your purpose really just falls on the want side, you might be fighting a losing battle here. I can't answer that for you. Number two, what's the size of the company? If you're in a small company, you should really understand what the financial situation is. You should get a pretty good idea of whether the company is doing really well, signing new contracts, has new business, revenue is flowing well, or if you can really sense a penny-pinching attitude. Maybe people have had to take a pay cut. Uh, Maybe you're in an industry that's not as relevant Maybe you're in a small company, but it's ext- you're extremely essential and you're, you're growing. I think that's a kind of a common uh, thought you would have in a small or large. Is it a growing company? But particularly in a small company, things are more political. For sure. Well, they're political in all size companies. But, but particularly in small companies, there's this feeling of 
equitability. And if I give you a raise, someone else deserves a raise. If I do it for one, I have to do it for all. So sometimes there's a, a greater pressure uh, on a small company to do something for, for one person and not do it for others. So I do think size of company matters. So if you're in a small company, you really have to understand how well that company is performing financially, what the culture is in that company, because you go to a large company, culture can be really different by division, by group, by manager. And, and, and in a large company, particularly if it's struggling, then it's, you're just going to know across the board, we're in a hiring freeze and it kind of takes off that pressure from you to try to negotiate or even to ask because you already know in the large company, we're not doing anything you've experienced. You've seen furloughs, you've seen pay cuts, you've seen people getting laid off. You know, it's a very bad situation. For example, Delta versus Amazon. If you are working in a large company and you're in a company like Delta, why on earth would you be trying to ask for a raise? Now, maybe someone could give me an argument as to why, and I can we can kind of walk through that. But if you're at Delta in general, revenues are down 70%. They've had massive firings, furloughs, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to have a really, really hard time you know, in a company like Delta. Now, if you're an Amazon, it's going to be very different, right? Because you're really seen as essential. The company is in itself essential. So in some ways, you could be in a business as usual kind of mentality. End of year, it's time to discuss what I've done, my performance, and let's get into my raise. So I don't think there's much of an, ar uh, an argument against asking for a raise in a large company that is particularly essential. Um, that really was point number four. Point three was financial stability. If your company is not financially stable, you have to kind of ask yourself, is it not stable temporarily? Is it going to bounce back? Is it just a temporary dip? Is it a V? They talk about the economy going through kind of a V, the stock market going through a V, you know, dropping down, bottoming out, and then ricocheting back up. Financial stability is, uh, it could be a, a technique the company hides behind to say they can't give raises, they can't give bonuses because of the quote unquote financial stability, I think you have to really understand the, the business. Like if you're in the cable business, no one is cutting cable off. If you're in, you know, if you work for a wireless provider, no one's getting rid of their cell phones. Okay. So companies like that, they have financial stability. So I do think you have to weigh how financially stable are we? Smaller companies could be extremely financially stable, even though they're going through a downturn because they've done a great job of not overspending. They don't maybe have a huge footprint. They don't have a huge, uh, you know, corporate overhead. So it's very complicated. So I would be looking at why am I asking? What's the size of the company? Because it really could impact what direction you go. Um, financial stability. Now, what if... What if you've gone through a pay reduction? What if you were asked to take a 20% or a 10% reduction? I think the question to ask is, well, when should you ask for recompensation? When does the recompense come? And I think you can, I think you can go and ask that very upfront. And frankly, it maybe it was already handled at the time you took the pay cut. But I think it's very, very much you're in the situation of need 
if you've gone through a, a, a reduction, then you definitely fall in the category of need. And that is something you need to know because you have bills, you have savings and retirement goals. So I think you're very much considered to be in a normal uh, state of questioning to go to your boss and, and just say, what's the company's strategy about recompense for those of us who have taken a pay cut? I like taking that approach because it's not personal. You're not saying, hey, when are you going to give me more money? That's very personal, very direct. But I think if you approach a that situation and say, what is the company's strategy for doing this, you know, uh, buyback or, or payback, that's not quite so personal. It's like taking the idea and putting it out in front of you on the table. It's like this concept that's out in front. It's not as personal. I love that approach. And I think you'll get people to open up and speak much better, um, in that style. Now, what about, um, what if you're at a point now where you feel like, you know, a lot of these things kind of apply to me. You know, I really do have a need. The company is financially stable and you don't think there's going to be a lot of political riff, you know, with you getting a raise or a bonus and someone else not. You kind of start, you know, you're kind of getting to feel that maybe you really should be getting this. Well, now you have to look at your level of valuableness. I can't figure that out for you, but it's very obvious that if you are an accountant and you're one of five uh, accountants and then there's an accounting manager and there's a controller, you know, you're, I hate to say it, but you're, you're kind of replaceable, you know? Yes, you, you're very valuable to the team and you are helping with all the tasks and the month in clothes and those important things, but it's going to be kind of hard for you to, to make a point that what you're doing is so unique. So I think you, that's kind of a disadvantage if you're lower down the food chain or if you're doing something that many other people are also doing, I think you're going to have a problem with that. <clears throat> okay. So the, I don't want to say the higher you are up the food chain, the more valuable you are, because that's obviously true because there are, there are skills, there are abilities that people have that aren't at the top of the chain, but there aren't a lot of you. So you have to kind of look at scarcity within the organization. And if what you're doing is a little more rare and there's not a lot of other people that can do what you do or a lot of the, there are not a lot of other people in the company that can do what you do and you kind of fall in this area of need, you can kind of move forward maybe with a, an idea of true confidence that you're not just asking for money, you know, just for the sake of wanting more money because that can kind of come off um, – it's one of my other uh, one of my other ideas. Uh, you know, you're being tone deaf, but we'll get into the risk here in a minute of, of just asking. So, <clears throat> so your level of valuableness. Another way to look at it is how critical are you to the business? Only you can answer that. If you're critical to the business, and you have a need. 
then I think you should do it. But there's a way to go about doing it, and we're going to get into that. What if it's just a want? I'm not saying you can't try. I'm just saying that you could come off uh, with the risk, you know, kind of backfiring in your face that you that you are tone deaf to what's going on in the world, and you're just look you look selfish, you look greedy. No one likes that. That's a risk. So if if you do feel like you know you you're valuable and you're critical, but you're already well paid, and you don't really have an extra need other than the fact that you just want to make more money. And you have your reasons for wanting your money, but I think they kind of fall. I think you, you take a bigger risk at that point. Now, what if you are negotiating for a job and you're in the middle of this crisis, uh, this pandemic, and the company offers you less than market, but you want the job and you want to take the job, but you don't feel like you can get more money based on what you've interviewed, your skills, everything you put forward, you can't get any more money. It doesn't matter what negotiating tactic, uh, tactics, strategies you've used. You are where you are. You can't get any more money. I think what you do at that point is you have to just say, I understand in the current environment that we're in right now, I think this is a fair offer based on the current situation because of maybe the size of the company, maybe the growth rates, maybe the financial stability. However, I just want it to be acknowledged that I really am taking less than market rate when things are quote unquote normal. And what I would like is to kind of have in my offer the ability to sit down for a raise and review after six months. Because if everything is kind of quote unquote back to normal, I would like to be at X. And if we weren't in this situation Quite candidly, do you think this role would be paid around X? Maybe that's ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars more than what you're currently being offered. I would just have that conversation because if you're taking a job making less money than you think it's worth, you're going to end up being in that need situation. I mean, right now you might just think you need a job, of course, but when things do normalize, companies are going to have to have a strategy to go back and. Bring people back up to market. And you might as well have that conversation now. Have that conversation at the beginning of that relationship. And if you've done a good job in the interview process and you have been building that relationship, then you can say in a way that's non-confrontational, it's not threatening, but simply, guys, you know, I am taking 20% less. So what's the, uh, re you know, re the reality is in six months, we're going to be able to sit down and, and bump it back up. You got to ask the question and regardless of what they say, if you take that job and then in six months, they, whether they have or have not put it in your, your job offer, you can go back in six months and say, as we discussed, you know, I'd like to sit down and have that. And if you get stonewalled and it, there, it's not going to move forward, but you did take the job because you needed it, then you have... Um, every right, of course, to continue your job search and keep looking quietly on the side and looking for that recompense, getting back to market. Now, of course, hopefully they they will be you know good, honest, decent people, and they'll realize that you did take less, and they'll they'll bring you back up. Um, okay, risk. This is 
think we're up to point 10 now. I haven't been calling them off. Anyway, point 10, what's the risk? I mentioned it earlier. You're going to come off looking really tone deaf, very selfish, very greedy if you just show up wanting more money. And it doesn't look like you have a need. Because during your conversation with your boss, you're going to obviously not just be mentioning the value that you bring. You're not just going to be talking optimistically about the future and all the great things you're going to be doing for the company because naturally you would. Any negotiation includes your valuableness, your, your vision for the future, showing them how optimistic and passionate you are about the company and the industry. All those things are kind of baked into it. But without a need, without that human connection of, you know, my family is expanding. I need more money, you know, at the heart of it. Or I had to take a pay cut and it's really hard for me to, to pay off my student loans or make my mortgage or pay for my kids' college, whatever it is. If you don't really have that need and it really, truly looks like you're just looking out for yourself, you're going to run a risk. I think of damaging your own brand. And let's face it, all of us have our own individual brand that we are building and we want to try to keep it as polished as possible. You know, we do get nicked and dinged and bumped and scraped and, you know, tarnished, you know, over our career, things happen and we're not perfect. But this is a big area where you could just be stepping right onto a, uh, you know, a mine or, uh, you know, you're running into a pothole that you could have just completely avoided if you weren't so tone deaf. And if you weren't, if you just didn't take the time to think through these other ideas, I can only tell you my approach is whatever you decide to do, whatever I would, if I had to do it, I've got to be empathetic. I can't just come across it just purely from a factual standpoint. I have to approach it with my heart. I have to really address the obvious and say, look, I know the timing of this looks horrible. I know there's a lot of negative things that are going on out there. But from what I can see in terms of our stability, our financial success, and you kind of build up your case, you know, and based on the need that I have, I really wanted to talk about the possibility of a raise and review. And by showing in being empathetic and kind of using the objections in your own speech, in some ways you do kind of take away the objections that they may throw at you. That's an old tactic. I don't mean it as a tactic, but it's kind of what happens. If I, if I rattle off four or five things that I know are negatives, it's kind of odd for the other person to use those as well because I've already used them. So they're not really saying anything new. I've kind of taken those away. But I would just be empathetic and address the obvious. And when you're looking at this um, raise and review, I do think it's important to mention cost of living raises because you could have a need Frankly, it could even be a want, but let's face it. I mean, the government, the Federal Reserve is printing money hand over fist, trillions and trillions of dollars. And not to get too political because I 
I could get political. I do have my views, but the dollar has been debased. And if you don't understand what that means, I mean, just go to the grocery store and look at the cost of food. It is just skyrocketing. And if your salary never changes and it's the same year over year and you've kind of been okay with that or you've been thinking, well, it's not really a good time. You know, I should ask. I shouldn't ask. And you've been sitting at the same salary for maybe a couple years or even two years. The cost of living does go up. And because of the value of the dollar, the purchasing power of the dollar continues to drop, it just makes sense that you really do need probably two, two and a half percent increases just to keep up with inflation. So do the math on wherever you're at in terms of your base salary. Because a, uh, a raise in review just based on cost of living could just, again, you, you just get 2.5%, you're really not getting a raise, believe it or not. You're just staying current. That's not even pushing you, you know, in, on, on the plus side. So my, my final thought on how to handle this conversation I touched on it earlier, but I would say something like, what is the company's approach or strategy for raising for raises and reviews this year? I think that's a great way to open the, the conversation if you decide you want to go down that path because, again, you've not made it personal. You're kind of asking like in a general way that would include everyone, which would actually include your boss that you're talking to, because let's face it, your boss, who, who wouldn't want more money? It's of course. So by approaching it that way, like what's the company's approach, you know, and strategy this year, it kind of opens the conversation. You can kind of see where it's going. You know, you can kind of read the tea leaves a little bit and kind of sense and feel your way through how you might want to handle that conversation. Because frankly, you could actually have that question with your boss and kind of get a feel for where the company's thinking. And then you don't even have to go into the conversation at that point. That could just be a, a you know, a comment that's made during, during a meeting, you know, a one-on-one -on -one meeting. And then later you go back and you prepare your, your thoughts and you can go back and actually, you know, have that conversation. Now, again, I can only tell you what I would do, but I would pray and listen for timing because if you just make up your mind that whether you have a need or whether you have a want and you've done the kind of quote unquote analysis, you've looked at the size of the company, you understand the financial stability and you, you know, you've kind of gone through all the facts and figures and you've kind of built your case around your value. You think you've got everything all nice and buttoned up and you're ready to have your conversation and you just go barreling in like a bull in a china shop, your timing could be so bad. It doesn't matter how well thought out and how well planned you think you have got this thing. You just end up looking the fool. And I cannot stress enough for me, the, the quiet time the getting quiet, getting still and listening for 
the guidance, listening for the direction, and just knowing that those answers will come and being patient about when the right time is to do something. And a very practical prayer, a very practical thought to hold on to and to really begin to understand what this means. But a right idea can never be stopped. A wrong idea can never advance. I'll repeat that. A right idea can never be stopped. A wrong idea can never advance. If you bury that prayer in your heart, that will be lived out in your life. It'll be lived out in different experiences and it'll take away frustration. It'll take away anxiety. It'll take away your personal sense of outcomes because how often has something apparently seemingly negative happened to you, but it wasn't until six months later that you realized, wow, what a blessing that was. If that had not happened, this would not have happened. And then this wonderful thing, for example, I missed a plane flight years ago. And instead of getting really worked up over it, I simply put my name in for standby. And I didn't beat myself up over it. And I was about to leave the airport. This was a busy holiday. I had my carry-on bag down by my side. And I looked up on the, you know, uh, wait, the standby list. I was all the way down, way down. I thought there's no chance I'm going to get on, but, uh, you know, I'm waiting. I don't remember how long I waited, but the time came and I was like, all right, well, it just didn't, it just didn't work. You know, I waited. So I, I can't, I, I just time for me to go home. So I was, I was reaching down for my bag. The attendant walked around the corner and she looked at me and she said, are you, are you Tony Moore? I said, yeah. She says, well, a spot just opened up for you. You can, you can make this flight. And I was, I was stunned. She gave me my ticket and I looked at it. My name wasn't even on the ticket. It said ghost rider. I've never seen that before. I've never seen it since. So I took my ticket. She took my carry on luggage. She they walked me down the, the ramp. They opened a, a side compartment inside the plane, which I'd never seen before. And they put my luggage in and they put this, put the compartment back and they locked it back in place. And they gave me my seat. The very next day I went to a wedding and that's where I met my wife. And after only four and a half months of knowing her, of seeing her six times total, we were engaged. And I have now been married to her for 25 years. And I look back on that and I say, a right idea cannot be stopped. And that's one of those beautiful examples. And that power is working in every one of your lives right now. So regardless of what you're trying to do and all the human planning, this is the hope. This is the faith. 
that will guide and correct the steps that you're making. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, I kind of ramble around, but uh, I think this should get us in the right direction. And if you have not subscribed, please do so. If you want to be part of the private Facebook group, head over, sign up for that. I'll get you approved. And as always, onward and upward. <laughs>